0: Hello and welcome to the ETOF 21 Sports Podcast for March 11th. Coming a week, uh, excuse me, a day later. Not going to lie. Went to the United Center yesterday and this may be a little TMI for too many people. A little under the weather. I believe it was something I ate there, even though I'm not 100%. So this is coming to you a day late and I apologize for that. We have a phenomenal show lined up for you today. As always, Nick is going to stop by. We are going to talk some. Wide, excuse me, some running back positions for the fantasy football. And as always, Jim is going to stop by. Jim is going to talk some XFL. Obviously big news. Bears acquired D.J. Moore. Bears, oh, excuse me, big news in the NFL with the Bears acquiring two first, two seconds and D.J. Moore. They get a first round pick. Uh, the ninth pick in this year's draft, the 61st pick in this year's draft, a first round pick in 2024, a second round pick in 2025, and DJ Moore. Quite a haul for the Bears and the Panthers now with their pick of which quarterback they want to lead them. Interesting trade. Obviously, I'll dive into that more probably next week because this is very last minute in terms of of betting i mean i'm not gonna lie Uh, you can find my stuff everywhere a little bit of a slump now i have had some her marvelous stuff just break the wrong way but that's a lot of averages look i've been hitting at an insane rate close to 60 percent in bets and i was due for a hiccup unfortunately when it rains it pours we just did hit uab but when you hit these cold streaks it's important a not to start second guessing yourself b just trust your process and understand why the bet lost. I do it all the time. I look at shot quality. I look at shot quality. I see if a bet that I had in basketball, if it was the right side per shot quality, and I kind of use it as my reference point. And if I missed it, I take a deeper look on why I missed the bet. Why did I lose the bet, etc., etc., etc. So it's the thing. All of us as gamblers go through these cold streaks. I'm like I said, I'm on a massive fucking cold streak. Some of this stuff. I was. I've been laughing, and I'm not gonna lie. I am not gonna lie at all. I thought we we're gonna lose UAB too. I really thought we we're gonna lose UAB, but we got it done. Hopefully, we can carry this off, hit Arkansas, and get everything going in the right direction for March Madness. Now, like I said, without further ado, we have a phenomenal show lined up for you today. So let's hop right into it, and we're gonna start talking some X F. L with my boy, XFL Jim. We've reached a part of the podcast where we're going to talk some XFL and who better to come on than the man, the myth, the legend, XFL Jim. Jim, how you doing today, my man?
1: Glad to be here, Uncle Rico. I am loving life.
0: Uh, we had a good week last week. Came out ahead. We almost got that Guardians plus 350 home, which would have been great. They're in a position to win. Defenses lights out if you watch this on spring fever, I think the comment Jim made hit the nail on the head. They're good from 20 to 20, but inside the 20, this team's just an utter train wreck. that can't score.
1: I have a running theory. I think Paxton Lynch is the anti Jimmy G that he just finds. He just, he'll have a decent game, but just lose. He will never win. Paxton Lynch is a born loser.
0: Um, and losers lose, man. Um, Next, what about uh, are the are the Roughnecks the best team by far, or they just been are they just ahead of the curve with the experienced coaching staff?
1: You can't say by far because DC is also three and zero and looking fantastic. I think they're buying away. Well, not buying away. I think they're the two best teams. I think they both might be overvalued a little bit. The Roughnecks probably have the best defense, just because Wade Phillips is by far the best defensive mind in the entire league, and that puts them on a nice, like, upper echelon. But I think as the season progresses, you might see a lot of teams catch up. I think, I'm always going to say it, week five is when these leagues sort of balance themselves out. That's when the kinks are sort of removed. That's when you see a lot of the teams sort of figure stuff out and rise to the occasion. I think you'll see a lot of teams get way better in week five. And the South is strangely competitive. Yes, they're 3-0. As bad as they've looked and as fraudulent as I think they are, the Renegades are two and one. Um, the Brahmas, one and two, I think are still a really good team. They have to play both those games again. They had to play both those teams twice. They're done playing the Guardians after this coming week, but that won't really matter because the Guardians are bad. I think DC's in a much more locked up position than um They're in sitting, Houston. sitting in a better position, is what you're saying. Yeah. I think those are the two best teams. You could kind of make a case for either one. I think DC has a better run game. I think the overall quarterback play so far for Houston has looked better. I think the run, I think the defense for Houston's a little bit better. I think the special teams for Houston might be a tad better, but it's close. I think those two team, teams are neck and neck.
0: Now, we have some interesting matchups in week 4. We had some bigger point spreads and the first one we're going to talk about Is the biggest one. One I'm going on our friends on bet online over under 37 and a half, and the roughnecks are laying eight and a half. It's juiced to minus 115. That kind of suggests this is going to go up to nine. That's a lot of points, Jim, but where's your head?
1: I don't think the guardians are as bad as they were week one. I think that's the worst we're going to see them. I think the roughnecks they've shown that they can kind of be in games with teams that I don't think are that great. You saw in the Renegades game, they kind of looked a little vulnerable. And then you saw last week, San Antonio kept them scoreless in the second half. Yes, they were up a ton, so they didn't need to do much. But if Orlando doesn't have the offensive just disaster that they had in week one, I think they can stay close. I, I think this
0: line's too big. I think they're going to be able to stay within the number, and we need to understand something. You can score a nine-point touchdown, Yeah, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds. So there is going to be some stuff where you can't sneak in through the back door. I think it's going to be completely open here. So I absolutely love the Guardians at, at eight and a half. I'm going to wait to see if I can get it at nine, though.
1: Do you know what I want, though?
0: You know what, what you I'm going
1: to wait for? What do you want? I want to see. I really want Houston to get the ball first and sco- go down there and score. I bet you get a 10 right away. I bet you get like a 10, 10 and a half right off the bat. Okay.
0: You you can do so. You're going to wait. You're going to try to live
1: bet. I will. I will be taking like it's, if it gets to nine, I'm going to take the guardians plus nine. Um, nine. I'm also on the over, but I will also be live betting.
0: Okay. Um. Next game, Seattle, sea dragons laying four and a half over under 40 and a half against the San Antonio Brahmas. What say you, my friend?
1: Give me the over in this one I like both offenses quite a bit I think San Antonio has a little bit of a bounce back spot offensively after play, f- playing the toughest defense in the league I don't think Seattle's anywhere near defensively as good as uh Houston and give me the Brahmas plus four and a half I, the Seattle Sea Dragons they looked good last week they looked real good but they played in a lot of close games and they had to come back in that game. I like the San Antonio Brahmas quite a bit. I think they're a very well-rounded team. I think they kind of get a nice run game going. I like the plus four and a half. I will also probably be taking like a first half line of, uh, I'll, I'll take a plus anything in the first half. I might take a little money line first half. But I think the Sea Dragons win. I think they win in a close one. I think Seattle fans show up for a Saturday night game.
0: Yeah. I think this pl- this place will be a little bit more packed than it was last game. I absolutely love the Brahmas, like you, and I think they're capable. I think they could eat. It wouldn't shock me if they pulled off the upset because I like their defense and I like their running attack, and I think you can run on Seattle.
1: It wouldn't shock me either. Uh, next
0: game, we have the Battle Hawks laying four over under 36 against the Renegades. St. Louis is going to be coming home, my friend. I mean, Jesus, dude, tell me. How packed is that stadium going to be?
1: It's going to be at least 30,000 people, Eric. I believe they're, like, posting uh, a shutout. They don't have the upper, upper echelon um, opened up right now because they don't want to just speculate, and that's probably a lot more concessions people to pay. Um, But if they, like, ball out and sell out and have a huge crowd for this game, St. Louis is going to be crazy this year.
0: I think it's going to be packed. People in St. Louis absolutely love their football. Huge home field advantage. I locked in the minus three and a half. Um, you can shop around. There's a couple books that still have a three and a half out there. We're using the bet line, bet online number. And I mean, I'm going to be on it for the first half, too. I'm going to be all in on this Battle Hawks team, first half and in in full game.
1: I like that move. I'm also on the Battle Hawks, minus four. I'll take that. And I'm going to take the over 36 and a half.
0: You're gonna take the I think we see one. a little
1: bit of improvement with Kyle Sloter, week two for the Renegades. I expect the Battle Hawks' defense is not as good as the Guardians by just a smidge, mm-hmm. um, but I like the Battle Hawks minus four. I like them in a bounce back spot. I like consistently the first two weeks, no turnovers. Last week, couple turnovers. I think I think we see a little bit of a regression here. But the Renegades have gotten the most turnovers of like any team in the whole league. So who knows? This team is incredibly lucky in their own regard to be two and one.
0: Last game we got the Vipers laying oh sorry the Vipers getting six against the DC defenders over under is forty two. Boy, that's a big number. What say you, my friend?
1: It's a big number, and I think it might get bigger. I think DC is about at the tipping point for how high they will be. They are undefeated at home, even going back to 2020, which is still which is pretty nuts. I'm going to go on the under, though, because I don't. I think DC likes to run the ball quite a bit. I know Vegas is terrible at stopping the run. I think they could get a lot, of, a lot done with Derek King. I think you see more of him in this game. I don't think without passing the ball that much, I think an under is a good play here. It's a big number, and I want to take the Vipers. And I will take the Vipers. I think they cover that. I think they're a good enough team to cover that. I think D.C. wins. but I think Vegas keeps it close. Vegas looked pretty good with Brent Hundley in Week 3. I think Vegas
0: keeps it close. I think the quarterback play is going to be a lot better. I also think they're going to have some sort of answers for that run defense. I mean, that was absolutely humiliating, the run defense that they showed.
1: I don't in- know, man. Like, Seattle ran all over them. and Seattle's not what you think of when it comes to a running team.
0: I mean, you have to have something, dude. You have to have some sort of plan in there because you can't go out there like you did before,
1: dude. I think when, when Derek King's in there, just stack the box and make him throw it. Like, he still hasn't shown that they're going to throw with him. I assume I, – I think, and I know you think, he can throw the ball, but the play calling isn't there.
0: I mean, the play calling says they don't trust him to throw the ball, dude. That's it. Um, Jimbo, I'd like to thank you for coming on, talking some XFL – I do have one quick question for you. Ask away. Biggest surprise of week three.
1: (sighs) Probably how competent Paxton Lynch looked. Okay. Because he looked pretty good. That offensive line is not doing him any favors. It's just straight up bad. But the Guardians, like, kind of, I came away looking a little bit more impressed.
0: Biggest disappointment, week three.
1: Second half of Houston? Like, how do you just score zero points in the second half? I get you're up by a ton, but come on. Or the people's takes. My biggest disappointment is not football related. Really. It's people's takes online, like, boo-hooing the brawl in D.C. St. Louis. I love that shit. That is what the XFL is about. It's about emotion. It's about just like every game was chippy. The players were like going at each other verbally, sometimes physically. I love it. Embrace it. The XFL should embrace that. Um
0: XFL rankings.
1: Uh Houston won. DC two. I have them written down. Houston won DC two. St. Louis three. Arlington, four. Seattle, five. San Antonio, six. Vegas, seven. Guardians, eight. So the only reason I have them in that order with teams ranked higher or lower and me thinking some are better than others, I can't justify in my own brain ranking a one and two team over a two and one team, even if I think that team's better.
0: How do you feel the viewership is bad?
1: Um, so I've seen a lot of takes online of people saying these numbers are bad. These numbers are bad. We saw it with the USFL last year. These numbers are bad. These numbers are bad. Guess what? They're beating other stuff on their network. They're, they're up there. They're beating NHL. They're beating, uh, the NFL combine. They were beating NBA. They are beating, uh, honestly, I mean, for now they were beating college basketball. And with some flex scheduling, like they're moving some games straight up to ESPN that were on FX, they're moving some games that were on ESPN2 to ABC. I expect we see some bigger numbers. Yes, we've seen drop-offs each week. But certain matchups at certain time frames get a lot more viewership and same thing with the USFL. When you're putting sports on a network like FX that hasn't shown sports in how long, you're not going to get as many viewers. It's going to take time.
0: I agree with you 100% Man, I thought that was crowd very- sizes
1: for the most part have also been pretty damn good.
0: I think what people expect the viewership to be is a little unrealistic, if that makes sense.
1: They're not going to get NFL numbers. And yes, they're not as good as they were in 2020, but like 2020 was a brand new product. We're basically four years deep to spring leagues trying and failing. You're going to have to like win some of that trust back.
0: Win, Win some of that trust back for Jimbo?
1: Not, no, just for the people. My trust has been there. Like my trust is free. They have it. And we'll see what the USFL numbers look like this year in year two, showing that they've proved it and could do it. Um, But there's people out there that are still skeptical about spring leagues. And honestly, you've talked about it. We've talked about it. March is worrying. March Madness is going to be worrying because you're going up against the juggernaut.
0: Yeah. I really feel that there's always going to be a place. I think the numbers are good for where it is. I mean, you can get that many people at FX. It's going to be a success in my eyes. Jim, I always enjoy talking to you. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on social media? My friend,
1: you can find me everywhere at XFL, Jim, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, TikTok, Instagram. I am all over. I post like a fiend. Sometimes I get, I get into like posting spurts where I just post a lot in one day or at a time.
0: One of the best files on social media, make sure to give my boy Jimbo a follow. Good luck in your bets this week, and we'll talk next week, my friend. Damn right. Guys, please give my boy XFL Jim a follow. Must follow on all social media. Funny ass effing dude. Now we're going to shift our attention over to Fantasy Football and Nick at NAA Fantasy. Him and I are going to look at the running back position. We have reached the part of the podcast where we're talking fantasy football and who better to come on than he's done every single week. Nick, aka at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. Nick, how are you doing today, my man?
2: Doing great, my man. How are you?
0: Good, good, good. So last week, we did the wired receiver position. Now, big news out of the Vikings camp, they parted ways with Adam Thielen. We could kind of talk, but we saw that coming. What does that do to Justin Jefferson in your eyes?
2: Well, we'll have to see what the Vikings do because it's going to put a little more attention, even more attention on Justin Jefferson. I know that they introduced Hawkinson to the offense last year. So, you know, obviously that's going to take some attention away, but Thielen was that guy who could, you know, run around and grab a few. So I don't. That's going to be – it's going to be interesting to see if they can kind of fill in that gap so Jefferson doesn't get a ton more attention by the defense. So, we both had him at two. Hmm. Is that up to where
0: – does Thielen – and how many targets did Thielen have last year? Excuse me. Thielen had 107 targets and 70 receptions.
2: hmm
0: do those abandoned see- targets, do, do, do those imp- – does that make – do you still have Jefferson at two, or with the subtraction of Phelan, do you put him up to one, or do you drop him down to three because now you feel more teams will roll coverage to him?
2: I'm actually going to drop him down. I know that he – you know, you think he might get more target share, but I'm actually going to say that that actually lends more to Hawkinson getting more targets.
0: Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now we're here to talk about the wide receivers. Now, excuse me, the running backs, my fault about the running backs. We each have our top three and then we're going to have one bust and one boom. Nick, as always, you, you start off, who is your running back number three?
2: I'm going with Austin Eckler. Um, He's, I think he's going to have a little bit of a drop-off in 2023. You know, Eckler's numbers in 2022 were insanely high, but I think that was due to the fact that he had to become basically a full-blown wide receiver uh, because Allen and Williams were often injured. So they had to just unleash him as a, as a wide receiver. So a lot of his numbers came from receptions. um, And I think if those wide receivers stay healthier, this year, their wide receiving core stays healthier. They add some more weapons that can stay healthy. His numbers will fall a little bit, and also with the new OC Kellen Moore coming in, you know, we could easily see a split carry backfield back there, too, which will take away some of his, you know, because we we obviously saw that in Dallas with Kellen Moore. I mean, Pollard and and Elliott just split carries, and it was effective, but I think it's going to take some away from Eckler. He'll still be a top-tier running back. He just won't be as high as he was last year.
0: My number three, I'm going to my man crush, Nick Chubb. It's only a matter of time before Kareem Hunt gets traded, and this could lead to him being a bigger factor in the passing game. Also, with Watson getting more and more comfortable behind center, this should open up more running lanes because they're not going to be able to key in on the run. If Watson's able to throw the ball around like he was during his Houston days. And lastly, we need to remember when Watson was in Houston, they ran a lot of RPOs. Doing that with Chubb, that could open up some stuff. Depend if the DE is cheat over to what to um to Watson. I just think it's more RPO, a better passing attack, no Kareem Hunt. I'm just factoring all those in. I think Nick Chubb, he's my number three right now.
2: Yeah, I like that. He's he's in my top five. Uh, he just missed the cut for me. Right.
0: Uh, number two, my friend.
2: Number two, I'm actually going to go with Saquon Barkley. Uh, he made a great comeback last year in a much improved offense. You know, he finished second in touches behind John, only behind Josh Jacobs. And he had 10 rushing touchdowns on 23 carries inside the 10.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, So he got that franchise tag by the giants, but he's going to have to prove himself again, have another good year to get that big contract after, after 2023. So I, I got him at number two. I like what they're doing with him. As long as he stays healthy, I think he's going to have another great year.
0: Plus good coaching staff, great coaching staff. Um, Only a franchise kick, so obviously he's going to be playing for his kind. More money, and Giants' offensive line is slowly but surely getting better. They'll probably use another pick on one. So, yeah, I like that. I like Saquon Barkley a lot. My second one, and look, I absolutely hate doing this when I'm going Jonathan Taylor. Uh, No Frank Wright. They brought in Shane Slarkton to be the head coach. He's going to be running more of the run-based Philly – running system the game plan trying to get run the ball over 30 times a game that means Ch- that means excuse me Taylor's probably going to get 18 to 23 carries a game. with all that being said, I expect him to have a huge breakout season they're gonna use some picks get that offensive line back to where it should be and they should have a capable quarterback back there next year. That will also (laughs) open up the front line. But it was always weird to me. Like everyone like kisses Frank Wright's ass, but there was times when he just wasn't giving Jonathan Taylor the ball, and it just didn't make any sense to me with what was going on. (laughs) Absolutely. Nick, who is your number one, my friend?
2: Oh, I guess you're gonna hate me even more or or just call me crazy. I'm going, I'm going back to Jonathan Taylor as my number one. I know I drafted him last year at number one and he totally screwed me, but I agree with what you're saying. He's also entering in his fourth year with the Colts, which means that after that he's an unrestricted free agent. So he's playing for potentially a huge contract. And we all know what we like. These guys like to get their money. They like to overachieve in their contract years so they can get the money. So, I also love that they pulled in the OC from um, the Eagles so they can have a very run-heavy offense just like the Eagles ran. And if they get you know, somebody like a Bryce Young or a CJ Stroud as their quarterback, you know, they can run that exact same type of offense and be very effective. So I'm going with Jonathan Taylor again. Call me crazy.
0: No. Yeah, I like it. I mean, he could... I think with Taylor, it's either going to be here yeah. or here. There's going to be no middle ground. Yeah. My number one, and again, I hate ranking people with the history of injuries this high, but, you know, I, I'm i going to go with CMC. You have to think the 49ers are going to improve that offensive line. He averaged 19.3 fantasy points per game after being traded to the 49ers. Plus, if they're going to roll out Trey Lance... Running quarterback, RPOs, more touches. I just – he was just such a big usage guy when he got there. I think they're going to repeat it. And I'll be honest, this was the hardest one for me to do just because I'm down on so many of these guys. I'll take the guy with the best <laughs> play caller in my eyes.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's tough for me with CMC too. I have him at my number four actually because – There's so many dynamic offensive players on that team that you could easily see him, you know, have a really good game one game. And then the next game he doesn't do anything because they just like to change it up and have more guys out there playing, taking carries away, taking short passes away. And they're going to uh, we don't know if he's going to get those huge numbers or not. Plus, they may try to just hold him out so he can stay the whole season. And not get injured, so they may take it a little easy on them. But we don't really know. It's a tough, it's a tough one, and we all know how the NFL is really pass heavy now. And you know, we're looking more towards drafting wide receivers a lot higher these days over running backs.
0: Now, yeah, that's a good point. I just, how can I just say this? I'm just so down at this position as general. I feel. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that's, that's my main thing. Now um, we're going to go to our bust. Nick, who is your bust you're looking to stay away from?
2: Uh, I'm going with Mr. Josh Jacobs. Uh, You know, obviously if you picked him up last year, you got super value out of him, Um, you know, but he overachieved last year. (laughs) And when, you know, everybody was down on him because they thought McDaniels was going to come and, you know, just start a running back by committee offense like they had in New England. Um, so I, I think that now that they saw what he did last year, people are going to draft him a lot higher and a lot earlier, and they're going to be disappointed. Uh, you know, he ended up with 1,653 rushing yards last year, which was most in the NFL. Um, you know, he was looking to make that money, a big contract. Uh, this was a contract for, or, a, he's, you know, he's a free agent, so we'll see where he ends up, but he's not going to be able to match those numbers in 2023.
0: I got him in the sixth round last year. Yeah. I mean, steal. I, like, you know, I just, but those, those are the guys you want. You don't want to, you don't want to chase last year's success. And I'll be honest. Yeah. I don't need to be a dick. If you draft Josh Jacobs, you're chasing last year's success. My bust, and I know you're very high in them, so I respectively disagree with you, uh, Austin Eckler. (laughs) I am just – I'm down on Austin Eckler this year. You look on – with the new OC, I think he's going to be a less of a factor. You mentioned the split backfield. I think there is going to be a split backfield. I think that they're going to look to run the ball more – excuse me, not run the ball more – Run the ball more, but not with him, if that makes sense. Yeah, he's gonna kind of be the Tony Pollard role. Uh, you know, he the receptions and everything. But this guy, this guy is due for Mondo TG regression. The amount of TG regression this guy is gonna be is due for is insane. I think it's gonna come. New OC. You don't really know what's going on at the ride receiver position and their OC has a history of ty- of wide receivers in the rock. I don't know. I'm I'm low on Austin Eckler, and I'm not going to draft him this year.
2: It's fair.
0: <laughs> what? Um, who, who, now, I, I, you being the biggest Texas homer in the world, I think I know what, what you're going to be uh, targeting, my friend.
2: Yeah, you know I can't go away from my my boy bijon with the dijon robinson so uh, (laughs) he's got his own mustard man (laughs) uh so yeah obviously you know he's getting first round draft attention so you have to you definitely have to look at that he's built to be a three down back in the nfl he's six foot 220 with four four speed and He actually sported a 40% broken tackle rate last year at Texas, finishing with 1,575 yards and 18 rushing touchdowns. So, you know, I know he's number one on the scouting reports, but I got to go with my guy here. (laughs) Excited to see what he does.
0: Yeah, I mean, he is going to be this year's kind of walker. Yeah. That's basically where he is. I went with Gibbs out of Alabama He is the next Elvin Kamara in my eyes. He's going to be a factor in the passing game. Great outside runner, outside the tackle. Still needs to develop into a pass blocker, And I really feel that it's going to limit his time earlier in the season. And then as the season progresses and his pass blocking gets better and better and better, we're going to see him slowly mature into that running back that can be on the field in more more downs. And he could... Easily lead you to a fancy football championship. Think, oh my God, the guy from the Bears. I love spacing.
2: Out. He was David a, Montgomery,
0: not David talking? Montgomery. Oh,
2: but, oh, you're talking about um, Matt Forte?
0: Not Matt Forte. <laughs> he could, but that's kind of like who he is, Matt Forte. But there is this running back for the Bears who kind of was like a rookie, came on, led you to a fancy football championship because of how, what a great season he had and I'm totally spacing on his name I am googling
2: it right now <laughs> I am googling it right now oh man I'm blanking too but
3: he oh oh,
2: you're not talking about um, tight no not uh, oh man the little not guy not the... T- no not him oh god I can't remember his name oh <laughs> Yeah, dude. Who is this guy? I thought you were thinking of Matt Forte when he was killing it, but...
0: Oh, not Matt Forte.
2: Jordan Howard. Oh, yeah, right. Jordan Howard. How quickly we forget about him. <laughs>
0: but, no, he's going to be like... Jordan Howard is a more in-between-the-tackle thing. My, yeah. my thing is, with Jordan Howard, his... First year ran for 1,300, next year, 1,100. I just I just think this guy, this kid has that ability to be, he, he doesn't play the same as Jordan Howard, but to be that rookie that is kind of overlooked and has a solid year and can lead you to a fantasy football championship.
2: I like it. Nick,
0: I'd like to thank you for coming on. Why don't you tell everyone where they can find you on social media,
2: my friend? Yep, you can find me at NAA Fantasy on Twitter. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure, Eric. Look forward to next week.
0: Down the quarterback position, my friend, should be a good one. Nice. Make sure you give Nick a follow. We'll talk soon, my friend.
2: All right. See you all later.
0: Please give my boy Nick at NAA Fantasy on Twitter a follow. Insanely knows his stuff when it comes to fantasy football. Now let's swift our, our attention over to NASCAR with Brandon. We have reached the part of the podcast. We're gonna talk some NASCAR Phoenix this week. And who better to come on than my boy Brandon? Brandon, how are you doing today, my man?
3: Early morning with you, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah, filming a little later. Uh
0: I'll just say this to everybody. United Center Food, I would Stay away from it, my man. Stay away from it. Little rough, little rough on the kid yesterday. So, obviously, the big news, and we really didn't touch on it because it happened after we recorded last week. Your boy, chased broken shin. What are your thoughts?
3: Out for six weeks. Uh, some teams have policies in place or what drivers can and can't do off the track. Hendrick Motorsports doesn't. Uh, why why he's in Colorado snowboarding on a Friday when he had to be in Phoenix the next day. I don't know, living his best life. I don't think it was the best choice. I know a lot of these drivers go out and race cars and different series and all this throughout the week and weekend. Cool. You were snowboarding. So fingers crossed for all Chase fans, NASCAR has to grant him the medical waiver. Um, I don't see how they're gonna deny him a medical waiver since he I was. Deny him. I hope they deny him just to be <sighs> a kid. Anyways, I hope they don't deny him. But uh, he's going to have to get a medical waiver to even be eligible for a championship. He's not going to have stage points, playoff points for at least the next six weeks. So um, Kyle Busch got a medical waiver for an on-track accident. Tony Stewart got a medical waiver for an off-track accident. It'll be interesting, but they will not even think about granting it to him until after he is returning or – able to return
0: but how can I word this he's the face and you gotta take care of the franchise
3: correct I mean if Alex Bowman at puttery on Thursday night drinking whiskey 24 hours before he's gonna practice if I would have hit him with my golf club in his shin does he get granted the medical waiver
0: yeah that's interesting I don't (laughs) I don't know um Now, let's shift our attention over to, obviously, this race. Obviously, historically speaking, and you're going to be proud of me, one of the people that always does good here is my boy, Uncle Kev. Uncle Kev always does really good here. But I'm not taking him because he's at 10 to 1. To me, that's just way too short of a price to be backing Kevin Harvick at 10 to 1.
3: I agree completely. Fade Harvick, please.
0: Um, now I will say this: Logano. I know we both like Logano. Logano is sitting at eight to one. Last six races here, he's finished one, eight, eleven, two, three, and one. Best finish and most laps led. I locked him in at eight to one. I'm assuming you you like him as well.
3: I don't like him personally, but. And you know that, but eight to one, you can't argue the stats are there, the wins are there, the finishes, everything's there for him at this track. I don't like betting that low, but you can't steer away from an eight to one at all.
0: Yeah. So we're both on Logano eight to one. Brandon, what's your next bet here?
3: I'm going Bell. Bell's look good at Phoenix multiple times. Uh Bell's good at you consider this a short track. Um, I expect him to come out finally have a good race. There's been already ups and downs for him, but uh, with him being a short track guy, Joy's putting the bumper to people, moving them out of the way. I'm definitely going Christopher Bell at eleven to one.
0: I like that one. I'm going Hamlin at ten to one. Last five races, eight, um, eight. 13 three, 3 4 one here in 2019, has looked good to start the season. I think with everything going on, there's always one driver that kind of gets overlooked, and I kind of feel that's Hamlin right now.
3: I agree. I agree completely. Uh, another guy that's being overlooked but is first in the points right now and just started off very well is uh, Ross Chastain, and he's sitting yeah. at 14-1. to He doesn't have great track history. Like, There's nothing phenomenal about this track. Well, I'm going to ride the momentum wave right now with a driver early on because he seems like the only one that's consistent so far. And seeing him at 14 to 1, I'm locking it in today before qualifying.
0: I like that. I like that a lot. My next one are going top 10s. Top My first one, I am going Amarillo, top 10. Average finish at Phoenix, 11.7. Two top 10s in last six races there. And I just kind of feel I'm getting close to – over 2 to 1 in a top 10 price for Amarello when he has historically gone good at this track, absolutely a no brainer for me.
3: I like that. I'm going to sit here and go with Mr. Austin Syndric as my long shot at either 50 to 60 to 1 depending on the book. Um his top 10 right now is plus 275. So I'm going to sprinkle a top 10 with my long shot at 275. I just find it weird that he's sitting at almost sixty to one, and then has a plus two seventy five. Um, Penske car, Blaney will be good. We're talking Logano. You know that uh, that Penske team is going to be rolling at Phoenix, so I like him as a long shot and a top uh, top ten at two seventy five.
0: I that's my last bet. Austin Sunder, top ten plus two seventy five. My thing is this. He has the same equipment as Logano and Blaney, and we're seeing these guys at minus like seven hundred to be top tens, two betting favorites to win the race. Has had a good start to the year, finished eleventh here last year. What am I missing? You know what I, I mean? I don't know.
3: Like, what I'm, am I missing here? I'm so, hoping. I'm hoping we found the the Vegas typo because yeah. everything points at him having a good race. The right equipment, teammates favored to win the race. They, they talk. They don't give away all their secrets, but they talk, and the car's are going to be good. Just stay out of trouble.
0: So I like – do you have any more? Because those are my four, my
3: friend. No, that's what I'm rolling with, buddy.
0: Now, in ter- now, looking back at last week, William Byron obviously dominated the race. What was your takeaways from last week?
3: A boring race. Once you had clean air and you're out front, nobody's getting you. Um, I thought the no tire option at the end of the race was uh, was interesting because that shows you how much the clean air means. Truex said, I'm not going to pit, but you can already see that tires outweigh clean air right now after a long run.
0: Interesting. Yeah, I thought, A, I thought the race was insanely boring.
3: Yeah. B,
0: I Byron completely and utterly. Thought, it wasn't even close to it. You oh, know, good
3: for good for him. Like, good for him. I, I Bowman was there. Like, Hendricks looked good. Which, by the way, it came out this morning. I don't know what piece of equipment, but every single Hendrix car had a piece of equipment removed late last night that was illegal and is now being confiscated and investigated. That's all the detail I have.
0: So, why don't you tell everyone which drivers those are?
3: That is. Whoever, I think Josh Berry, who's subbing in for Chase, Kyle Larson, Alex Bowman, and William Byron. Interesting. And Interesting. I don't know if they qualify today, if those parts are confiscated, if they have to still start in a rear and not be able to qualify. So just keep your eye on that before you place your bet on any Hendricks driver for Sunday.
0: Brandon, I'd like to thank you for coming on. Why don't you tell everyone where they
3: can find you on social media? Boston Boy 83, Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram. Let's cash some
0: tickets. Let's make some money. And uh, we'll talk next week, my friend. Rebound week. Let's go. That's it for the podcast today, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you to like and subscribe to this podcast. Leave a review, it would really help me out. Reminder the ETOP 21 Sports Show is back live Tuesday night, 10 p.m. Eastern. My boy David, AKA Better DP21. We're going to talk all things March Madness. Give our thoughts on the brackets and tell you what bets to lock in for the first round. Make sure to set those reminders for that. Until next week, boys and girls, let's make some money.